Hi, and thanks for tuning in to My Adventures at Home Brewing. I'm Dan Matthews, and come along with me as we talk about things for new home brewers, from gadgets to how we got started to, I don't know, all the mistakes we make along the way. So come along for the ride and have a beer or two along the way. looking for that yeast that can help you attain the best beer possible that you're looking for escarpment laboratories escarpment laboratories are located in guelph ontario and make some of the finest yeasts in canada if you want to make the beer that you want and have consistent results all the time you need to check out escarpment laboratories hey everybody Thank you again for tuning in to My Adventures in Home Brewing. I'm Dan, and today we are very fortunate to have another one of my bosses on the show today. It's uh, Brad from Brew Donkey, the brewers that kick ass. Am I right in saying that, Brad? Absolutely, you are correct in the brewers that kick ass, but I consider you more of a coworker than a boss. So I'm uh, your boss? Awesome. This is great. Hey. Like, I, I want to raise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is awesome. So... A quick little recap about last week. Uh, we uh, last week we had Kathy Yin from uh, Yen, Yen Lee from the Canadian Homebrewers Association on talking to us about how they help us out and everything else. So if you get a chance, go check them out. Check out them out on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or whatever else it is that you use for your social medias or your interwebs. Would be really cool. And if you get a chance, please leave us a review. Leave us a comment. Leave us a reading on other your Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or whatever it is you use for your podcasting. So hang on, folks. We'll go along for the ride and have a beer or two along the way. Hey, everybody. We're back, and we've got, like I said before, my co-worker says he doesn't like to be called the boss, Brad from Brew Donkey uh, Beer Tours. Brad, how are we doing, brother? Uh, as good as can be for uh, the climate and the uh, the way we are right now. It's beautiful. It's hot, sunny. I got way more sun than I've had in years uh, because I get to sit in the backyard and do my work from home. That's awesome. So what we're going to do is we're going to dive in a little bit and how about we uh, talk a little bit about you before we delve into anything about else. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I am a 40 year old male who likes uh, long uh, bus tours and uh, full figured glassware. (laughs) 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 I I actually got into the craft beer industry specifically in uh, 20, I'd say 12. And uh, before that I'd owned uh, another business. So um, I'm, I'm a bit of a, uh, an entrepreneur who, who wants to start businesses that, he can control instead of controlling him. The person, the first business that I had was a, a mobile bakery. It gave me a lot of uh, freedom to do what I wanted when I wanted. Um, and the brew donkey business um, was meant to be a little bit similar to that, but um, I wanted it to be bigger and grow more and be more support supportive of the community. Um, so that happened in 2013 
but me myself, um, I've been uh, enjoying craft beer since um, since about 2012, and I will say my kind of craft beer palate started with a buddy who was home brewing in his basement, and uh, he invited me over to watch. Uh, we we talked uh, about craft beer at that time. We talked about what he was enjoying, and you know we were in a steamy basement in the middle of of February. Um, Luckily, it was February because if it had been July like it is right now, it had been a much steamier basement. That could be taken so many different ways. So let's be careful because I'll okay. have to change changes to explicit afterwards. Please don't. Please don't. I want. I well, actually, adults adults are the adults only, only. That we cater to. <laughs> awesome. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about Brew Donkey? Like, what was the main purpose behind Brew Donkey, and how did? Uh, about brew donkey is a beer tour service that um when we originally started was a beer tour and home delivery service it allowed us to um bring beer to your home as a as a service and we would bring you to beer so you to brew and brew to you and we're the two taglines that we had now um, not wanting to pigeonhole ourselves based on our name, uh, calling ourselves Ottawa Beer Tour Service or Ottawa Beer Delivery or Craft Beer Delivery, we needed to find something that uh, allowed us to service both. And um, there is a, an epic, epic tale uh, on our on our Facebook page in the notes section that talks about how it, it started and it is a well-written epic tale so that's the best place to read it but the reason donkey for us uh, i was on a trip to spain and um, a guy who i'd been traveling with had given me this uh moniker of donkey because i was he had seen this poor sad overladen donkey in the past uh in his trip because he we were in spain at the time he was in morocco then and his uh he felt so bad for this donkey because it was overloaded and we were out grocery shopping and he didn't have a bag and he was going to carry all his beer out the door. So I said, no man, don't worry about it. I'll be your donkey. And I, I allowed him to like put stuff in my backpack and I was his, this donkey that he felt bad for. So he just kept looking at me every time he had something for me to carry and would say donkey. And, and it was, it was good humor. It was fun. And we got along and every time we were ready to go to a new city, cause we were traveling by car together, he would say, ready to go donkey. And so like we were traveling to like to local cities together. I was carrying his stuff. So brew donkey made sense. And, you know, um, at the time breweries and uh, businesses were definitely taking the animal approach of having an, an animal in their name. So we really fit in at the time and now we got a cute story, but we're no longer delivering beer. So it's just beer tours. So um, we've adopted the tagline, as you mentioned in your opening comments of brew tours that kick ass. And they do. And I'll, I'll admit this because I, I was, I've been fortunate enough for the last maybe year now uh, mm-hmm. to have been a part of it. Yeah. I, I see that. And that's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that I've been a guide, and and they are a lot of fun. And the two the people on the buses are like the guests are phenomenal, especially when you get them on the donkey bus, and which is like the customized school bus that's like branded and everything else. Mm-hmm. That um, you know they get on, they get comfortable, and then all, all inhibitions it seems to disappear, and people become friends, people become drinking buddies. And, and whatnot. So it, it is an absolutely very cool place to go. Yeah. But 
how did you go about getting the breweries involved? I mean, it's, it's, it's not just easy going in and say, hey, look, I have a tour company and I want to bring guests into you. Uh, I mean, there has to be a bit of a two-way street, no? Yes. So, um, right back to your comment about, you know, Brew Donkey and it being uh, a comfortable and fun place. Another part of that name was it, it wasn't super serious. Like, Brew Donkey. Like, yeah. it's not like you know, Bruce Stallion. No, it's like, we're, we're, we're fun. We're, we're, we're serious about craft beer. We are not Bruce Stallion for sure. Um, so, and, and the fun comes out in the name with Brew Donkey. Um, how we got breweries to get involved though, we were, I went to craft beer festivals. I went to breweries. I sat in line, waited for beers uh, to be, to be bought and purchased. And um, I asked them, what they wanted to see in a tour service. Our tour service, when we opened, had already communicated with the eight, eight of the 12 breweries that were open at the time, asking them, if you had a busload of people showing up, how would you want it to go if it was in your best interest? And that's how we built it. And mm-hmm. when we did it, we did the first tours, they got the... Um, they got the guests and the guests paid attention. Um, we didn't oversell the buses. We had a limit on our tours. Um, we encouraged people to buy. We told them about how beer was made by a home brewer at the beginning. And, um, and our focus was on education, not inebriation. And that's the way it stayed. And that's why we continue. I continue to love what I do because pub, crawl, pub crawls and party buses are not the business I'm in. I'm in education, entertainment with a touch of inebriation. Okay. And uh, <laughs> they, have, they have continued the breweries to enjoy our, our tours. And, you know, that kind of takes us to right now where we're doing the same thing, being uh, educating ourselves on what the right way is to open because we're opening um, our, our, our business up as of July 24th and we're taking it slow. We're having conversations with our brewers. We're having conversations with our customers and we're having conversations with our politicians in the region to make sure that we open correctly. Right. Okay. So how are we, um, I know as a, as a tour company, I mean, I don't see the admin side of it. So I don't know necessarily know how it really, how you, how you and the other bearded one, Alexi, uh, go about this, but I do know that you guys do put a lot of work in behind the scenes to make sure the tours are good to go and all that. But when you're on the bus, um, how are we getting uh, across or how are we getting the word out there to home brewers and beer lovers about you? I mean, um, getting them out there, introducing to the beer scene, it, you would think is a relatively easy thing, but is it necessarily that easy when you want to show people something that you're passionate about? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know for me, and as a home brewer, I've put out to Facebook friends and all that, say, hey, look, I've opened up my home brewery to anybody who wants to come out and learn how to make beer. Mm-hmm. And people are like, yeah, that's too much work. It's too much this. It's too much that. But in actuality, if you like doing it, it's not that much work. So I'm not exactly sure how we meld the two for fun and tours. Mm -hmm. So what we've done um, from the beginning is um, go to special events uh, where we know those beer lovers are. Uh, We would go uh, to craft beer festivals or uh, food and wine shows and sometimes even um, 
wedding shows and and we talk to people there to get them interested in attending and um, those kind of events we um, we're using to kind of reach the target market of the people we're interested in. Then when we're sharing stuff on our Facebook and our social media pages, we're sharing news stories that we think the people that are interested in craft beer at that beginning phase will um, find interesting and want to engage in. So those pieces uh, of the puzzle are meaning that we're being paid attention to or we're being shared by people who are interested in that educational portion and learning about how to make beer. The way we support them once they've supported us is by um, giving them experiences that don't just leave them fuzzy the next day. They're engaged and um, excited about craft beer at large and they have just had a conversation with a brewer over his equipment and their questions, their direct questions about how they make beer are being answered. Um, as an example, um, our tour guides oftentimes are like yourself interested in home brewing. So they join us uh, to work for us and then eventually listen so well and attentively, just like our guests do, that they have gleaned enough information to open their own brewery, namely most likely. Yes, Mark. (laughs) I knew that's where I was going, the old bearded one himself. Absolutely. The original bearded one. Our first beard that I paid for because I can't grow facial hair. This is a Zoom chat, but this is probably going out podcast. I don't have a lot of facial hair, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Innuendo is bad. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And, and the reason I pointed uh, to you about the beer was I didn't know whether, um, you know, this was possible for your ratings um, to be able to discuss. Yeah, we can talk beers. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. What are you, are you, what are you having? Uh, right now, I'm waiting them for the cool down, but I'm, I'm having a, uh, a Northern German alt beer once it's cold enough that I This made. is one of you, the ones you made, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just waiting for it to cool down. And then I've also got a, a Northern Brewer Pale. Uh, that I'm cooling down as well. And then also a, a, a beer that I named after a movie or after a, a line from a movie called Spaceballs. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember the one that Yogurt said, may the Schwartz be with you? Yeah. So, I, made a, I made a Schwartz beer. Oh man. What did you call it? May the Schwartz be with you. May the Schwartz be with you. Yeah. The Schwartz. Um, I watched Spaceballs for sure. Do you remember the... Uh, uh, a beer that was made by Bose called Dark Helmet. Yep. Yeah. That that uh, that whole image was like where the spaceship was a helmet yeah. going through space. Yeah. That that is on the cover of Dark Helmet, and oh, it was a Schwartz nice. beer. It was a Schwartz beer as well. I haven't seen that one. I don't know how long. Uh, well, they made it for probably about three to four years, years ago. Always went into the, the the craft beer mix packs in the fall, but not anymore. I'd love them to make that one again. It was good. It was tasty. It was good. So there's no desire for you to want to learn how to make beer, eh? You, you not not for me to learn how to make beer. I've stood in and watched and helped and, um, you know, in a, in a homebrew setting. But I've always appreciated that I had to buy my beer from the people that made it, from the people that I was supporting. And I've always known that I need there to be a financial repercussion yeah. <laughs> to me actually drinking beer. So I can't make it 
myself and reduce, reduce the financial repercussion. But from everything I've heard, it doesn't make it cheaper because you got to buy the equipment. No. Well, you know, I actually kind of lucked out because I got my, uh, a good part of my kit used for like, like dirt cheap. So mm-hmm. that was the carboy, the bucket, a buttload of bottles for $70. So I was, and a few other knicks, knickknacks along the way. So it was great. The biggest expenditure I've, I've actually put out uh, was for the, the brewery itself, which the Robo Brew. That was the biggest expenditure. And even at that, uh, it, it, it really wasn't that bad. I mean, when considering what the same, same thing made by another company called Grandfather goes for, the mm-hmm. exact same thing but mine's half the price. So, you know, apples and oranges, but still. Absolutely. I've been on the bus with you quite a bit and I've heard you talk and man, you are like, uh, like Brad encyclopedia on beer. Where the hell did you get all your beer knowledge? Whenever I'm on a tour and I'm taking the behind the scenes tours that all of our tours include with the craft brewery owners, the brewery uh, staff, uh, managers, and brew house uh, staff. I listen. I've listened for five or six years. I have been a student of, of their knowledge, listening to it for many, many, many years. And um, the, the easiest way for us to make our tours entertaining is to be right there with them, listening and learning, but also asking leading and guiding questions. And sometimes those leading and guiding questions that we ask of our tour guides at every brewery are for the benefit of the guest, because I know the answer and I think I can pull it out of them. And oftentimes over the years, I've asked a leading question that, was because I wanted the info and I thought my guests would like it. Like, tell me about late hop additions. Tell me about early hop additions. Tell me about cryo hops. Like what is, what is this um, new fad of, of hops that are produced uh, as an extract, almost a powder that you add and how do you get that out? What's hop creep? All these things that, you know, I, I hear them talk about when, they don't think I'm listening. Yeah. <laughs> or, I, or, I, or I see it on uh, the CBC, um, which is the Canadian, sorry, the uh, craft brewers conference uh, details of in symposiums that they would have. And I, I want to ask what it's all about uh, just because I'm, I'm entirely and um, fully interested in, in the industry and the production of beer because I want to make sure that I can engage with my destinations and my customers and impart good knowledge to them because Mm -hmm. one of the things I've always loved in any of the experiences I've taken is when I come away with a bit of knowledge that I can relate to uh, that is, is, is really easily digestible. So late edition hops, they give you this palette, um, and uh, that that allows you to um, really enjoy the flavor of the beer. And there are so many people really enjoying the flavor of the beers that are being made with high amounts of late edition hops. But if you tell them that's why, because there's so much late edition, then they can start to digest this, this mm-hmm. idea of like, so I'm drinking all these New England IPAs and they've, they're a new beer to me, but they're still just the same four ingredients producing the same general way but with 
hops added at a, just a different time, a time in the week, a time in the boil, a time in the, in, in the brew process, but everything stayed the same except they just moved an ingredient on a timer to a different space. Okay. So. How are you finding the guests uh, engaging with the guides and also the brewers? Are you finding that uh, they're a little withdrawn, a little withheld, or are they actually getting in there? And because I found that it, it depended on the group. Yes. Yeah. The groups themselves are. <clears throat> we have a. a plethora of types of people that attend and depending on the person the interaction between the guides at the breweries and the guests is you get out of it what you what you give in if you sit there and you ask good questions and you're listening you're going to end up leaving that conversation with that brewer with deep information and probably a new friend um, if you're really engaged and you're really wanting to have that conversation, the next time he sees you or you and you see him, you'll be able to wave at each other because you're going to have a memory of this and you're both, uh, depending on if it's the five, fifth stop or not. Um, and so that's, that's what they can get out of it. But we, you know, we do still have people that don't take the tours to talk to brewers. Some people take it because they want to get to five breweries and try beer, um, three or four beers from each, each, brewery that they're visiting and some people use it as their grocery shopping trip some people go because it's their fourth time and they don't want to listen but they want to show their friends what a good time it was that they had and you know we get the occasional person that really just shows up because they think it's a lot of alcohol okay. that's good to know <laughs> <laughs> so how do you find the craft beer scene in Awa evolving i mean you said when you first started there was only maybe about I think you said 12 breweries mm -hmm. that you were able to go to. Now, as far as I know, we've have like over 20 something in, in oh, the over, area. Uh, over 30. We're at, I think 40. If you do an say, hour radius. Yeah. And I was say we're close to like 40, 42 within. So how are you finding it evolving? Are you finding that like, I know there's like the, the one outlier that's completely different from everybody else is a uh, small pony with them being the sole sour beer producer as far as i know in canada because i don't think anybody else just just does sour beer like they do the the evolution that i've seen is um the most substantial one was from 2013 to now breweries have changed their um, model of how they get beer to their guests Everybody in 2013 and 14 seemed to be pushing heavily to make you come to their shop and LCBO or beer store was the eventual goal, but your their shop and take beer home, come in, get a growler, get a can. If they had a canning line, get whatever bottle they put it in and take it home. Stick around maybe for a, a couple samples. Maybe if they put a couple tables out for a beer to now the shift is to if you if you aren't operating a space where people can sit in your brew house or a set of tables in a tap room of some kind you're not doing it right it doesn't seem so this this was obviously before uh, mid-march but every new brewery or brewery that did a remodel planned into their whole design come to our place sit in our space socialize um, congregate and, and and come enjoy our culture 
in our brew house, in our tap room. But that was not the case in 2013 when we opened. It was, it was a place for buying cans, getting sample cups, and going home to enjoy your beers at home. Mm-hmm. So that being said, um, there were outliers within that that uh, stuck to it. And some of them are still changing and going to the model uh, and taking their time. But, um, or some of them just never had the space, right. you know, um, places like Waller Street, they had a space for nine seats. So they, they pressured people to come get beers uh, to go and maybe stick around for one beer. Uh, places like Broadhead, it took them until this year to move uh, in, in the last year to get a, a space for you to sit down and enjoy a, a beer with them. Mm-hmm. So that's the biggest shift that I've seen. Also, um, obviously more of them and more creative ones. We're slowly seeing our Quebec breweries in the region, in the Udaway opening. We've got four, five uh, at this point. And yeah, uh, specialty breweries as well are opening. Breweries with funk and sour. Mm-hmm. Our market can sustain um, an all Belgian style inspired breweries. Uh, we can, we can, the industry and the, the place we're in, we've got enough craft beer drinkers that breweries that are not making every style can survive. You'll never get a New England IPA out of Small Pony Barrel Works but they're surviving. Yeah. But Sean does like magic with his beer though. I, I, I got to admit mm. it. I mean, there, there are some, uh, I'll take a, I'll take a mouthful and I'm like pucker factor. Mm-hmm. But once that pucker factor wears off, you get so many different flavors that happen along the way. You just can't, it, his bottles aren't meant for one person to drink by no. themselves. They're meant to be shared. Yeah. So, but are you finding that there is a lot of um, on the legislative side between the beer tour company and also the beer scene and also breweries? Are you finding that the local government is actually helping to promote these things to actually support them, or are they a little on a little bit more heavy-handed in this in putting down restrictions of what you're able to do and what you're not able to do? We were included in the first phase of reopening, um, which to me shows that uh, they understand um, that industries, tourism industries are, are important. That being said, uh, I don't know that beer tours in general have very much attention to, uh, from the government. Craft breweries, and the fact that there's 40 of them, they have the attention of government and both our provincial and uh, federal and our municipal governments. There there are real estate agents know that if there's a brewery in a region, it increases property value. So, you know, they're really paying attention to it. Beer tours, there might be four companies in Ontario at large. Um, So I think we're still on the, uh, off the radar. We keep, and I, I actually am very happy being off the radar and not being something that's on their, you know, to-do list to, to, to investigate. I think we do what we do. We do it safely and we do it responsibly. But the last thing I want is to be part of a red tape, uh, red tape situation. We, we keep, uh, we keep 
the craft breweries happy, which I guess by essence and, and our relationship with them, it means that we, when they prosper, we prosper. So I'm happy that the government likes and supports craft breweries, but we're, we're generally ignored. What, what they've done though, at these times to help us, uh, get out of this is what they've been doing uh, in the federal level to help all businesses that are in, in need of surviving. So yeah, kind of happy to be off and that's a, that's a happy and convenient way of saying there's not much support for craft breweries from any federal government or craft right. beer tour companies like myself. We, okay. we, we don't have a dialogue generally. Right. Okay. So we're going to get ready to wrap this up. So last question in the area, what are your three favorite styles of beer? Ooh, you're going to ask me for my favorite breweries. And I, I wouldn't do that to you. I know. Good. Uh, in the area, few, three favorite styles of beer. Well, when a brewery makes a, a good pale ale, uh, one that's, uh, you know, a touch of maltiness, and uh, um, and and a, and a decent amount of hop, citrusy kind of hop flavor. That to me is a, is a favorite. Um, I have been leaning towards loving well produced and slow produced uh, pilsners. And I have to say, an IPA that is big at maybe a 5.5 and a 6% with a lot of malt characteristic. That being said, rabble rouser, definitely the kind of go-to mm-hmm. thought when I'm thinking about that. That's what I think about. And like a, like a mad Tom, you know, like the, the rabble rouser, mad Tom, a big American multi IPA. Awesome. Well, Brad, thanks a lot for being on the show. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you. And I am looking forward to getting back on the bus to help getting people to where they want to be for craft beer. Well, um, we might very well have to get you on a bus because our first weekend has a golf beer tour combo and we know you love golf. Oh, you rock brother. You rock. So you let me know when that one is and we'll work it all out. I'll make sure that uh, the boys over at the brewery know uh, I'm going to be busy that day. Mm-hmm. okay yeah, and i'll bring my clubs too so i can go play yeah i'm, I'm <laughs> i got you to bring your clubs because you have to golf okay all right thanks man we'll talk soon thank you bye dan hey everybody so i'd like to say thank you to brad for being on the show this week it is really cool to be able to have people I work with and work for to be on the show and share their knowledge with everybody of what they know about craft beer and the craft beer scene here in Ottawa. So again, thanks to Brad. If you want to check them out, please do. Brewdonkey is one of the coolest places to go to go on a tour, visit breweries, and just awesomeness. And I also have to say thanks to Brad because he has been generous enough to give us uh, a couple of giveaway presents for uh, for our listeners. So, unfortunately, this is going to be just for the Ottawa area for now. Once things get stabled, we'll be able to get things going a bit more. So, uh, 
for those of the listeners here in Ottawa, the first couple people, or I should say the first two people to either leave me a message on other uh, via the link in the episode where you can leave me a voice message or go over onto the social media on other Instagram, Twitter, or even on Facebook, leave me a message or even a review. And uh, the first two people I find will get believe it or not, a BrewDonkey glass and a coupon for a tour with BrewDonkey. So, with that said, it's up to you guys now. So, thanks a lot for coming along for the ride and a beer or two along the way, and I'll see you folks on the other side.